Sorry, it's nice to meet you. Hi, likewise. Yes. Um, how, how are you doing? Is it a, a busy day? Um, not yet. <laughs> it's a holiday here, so we're in, everybody's off. <laughs> oh, I see. Um, so it's my job to ruin that holiday. Uh, is that You've right? You've tried or? very hard, but I'm not letting you. <laughs> Yeah, I guess there was a, a time uh, zone uh, mix-up. Um, but hopefully we'll be all right to go from here. Yep. With Chinese counterparts from your market traders that went to China and didn't speak very good English um, and no Chinese to uh, um, your bigger business owners and lobbyists and academics and government officials at varying degrees of um, influence and seniority. And so I tried, and then I tried to really make it a cross section of society, and um, conducted interviews also all across the country. So that was fun. <laughs> wow, um, that sounds fascinating. Um, and I, I believe it was fun, but I imagine it was extremely challenging as well. It's much easier to say rather than to do, right? <laughs> Quite. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd love to read more about that if uh, the fruits have been harvested and are available by way of publications? I have been trying to get published, but um, unfortunately, it, at least around me, I haven't been able to identify um, a publisher that's interested in my research, at least, or my writings with regards to um, African policy for China. I, I What I tried to do um, with one of my chapters that didn't make the final dissertation was um, following the format of the um, of the 2006 China Africa policy document. I created a policy document for Nigeria based on the findings of my research, and um, and then also put together a short list of policy recommendations that had become a natural product of my research from the different people that I interviewed. Everybody had some sort of idea on how the government needed to better manage the relationship. And so I attempted to um, amalgamate that and present that in um, a tangible and understandable format. And so that's I have that on the side, and I'm hopefully hoping to find somewhere to um, publish that at some point later. If that, you know, if if I don't find someone interested in it, I imagine I'll probably just put it on the internet and have it accessible to the rest of the world. Right. Yeah. And, and it sounds like that type of uh, work needs to be more widely disseminated rather than you know parked um, yeah. and, and left to to collect dust. Um, and it 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 it's, it's very interesting how these things go. There was a conference before. Uh, FOCAC 4 in Pretoria, where we were trying to do precisely that, which was develop an Africa policy for China, uh, with about 16 African ambassadors based in Beijing uh, and others as well. Uh, and you can imagine it was kind of hard to, to do an yeah. Africa policy, but it was quite easy to do uh, 16 bilateral policies uh, on, yeah. on China instead. Uh, but nonetheless, um, that I think remains one of the sort of <clears throat> the weaknesses in terms of uh, all sorts of policies and relationships and negotiating capabilities. 
um, and therefore an immense uh, continuing need uh, you know, to balance strategically and in policy terms the, the African side of this equation. Yep. Um, so you're obviously uh, right on the ball and ahead of the curve in many ways, and that's exactly where a lot of this uh, work has to go in terms of having a practical benefit and you know some real life uh, purchase as well. Um, so I, I'd, I'd be keen to um, you know to, to see that, and and hopefully it's a process that can continue. I hope so, Tim. I, do I understand right that you're after a kind of a a deeper historical take more than the past month or couple of years. Is that right? Sort of roughly when do you want to, to go up to? Would it be 2011 now or um, is that pretty open? So the reason that, that you interested me was because of your knowledge of, of the history. I'm a historian myself. I, I did like Nigeria-China stuff. Um, and so for me, like um, anything before 1990 is something that I actually find a lot more interesting. Huh. But, but you know, in terms of China, Africa, two thousand onwards, people are, are, are what people want, sadly. But, uh, but <laughs> so I mean, I've given you some like pretty specific sets of questions, but so you can answer it or, or go into the topic as in in however way you want to. So whatever whatever frame you you want to go in, and so that was part of the difficulty I had in forming these questions. I, I wanted to try and get something that, that could get you to talk comfortably. And actually, because I don't know you, I had no idea what questions to ask. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine it's kind of hard to pitch uh, blind like that. Um, but all, all of that makes a lot of sense. And I kind of uh, intuitively and, and very much behind this uh, historical approach, it's kind of uh, often wrongly overlooked, I think. Um, and, and just out of interest, do you have a background in things... Chinese yourself or sort of how, how do you position yourself in this uh, field as it were well I mean I, I don't really position myself in the field I'm I'm not a I'm not a scholar I kind of I, I got my master's in, in history and African history so I'm more of an Africanist than a sinologist like so I, I love I love African history I love West African history um, I spent a year in China I thought that was really neat so I got my master's and I threw China in there just kind of on a lark and that was when China-Africa stuff was blowing up. And so after, I'm like, hey, I'll get a PhD. Let me go back to China, get my Mandarin good. Um, I eventually decided not to get a PhD. But um, a lot of the China-Africa stuff that's being written about, I know there's a ton of amazing scholars and a ton of um, people on the ground whose voices I want heard. And so that's what this podcast is for. Uh, so my background is, is African history. Um, state-to-state -state stuff, and I love Cold War history. So the, so basically, <laughs> every, you know, the 50s up until the 90s is, is my favorite aspect of the China-Africa relationship. Um, but, uh, but and, and, and also I think helps frame a lot of current discourse actually pretty, pretty well and, and pretty interesting. Uh, there, there's some right. pretty interesting connections. Um, and yeah, and then hopefully this will, I mean, so you're like one of the more famous guests that we've had on. So you're somebody that people have act, cited heavily in their stuff. So um, Dr. Kalu cited you, right? You cited him for your PhD. I did, yes. I would oh, be great. remiss to not cite, to not cite Daniel Arch. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to put you on my bribe list for future citations. Uh, that's how I've done it so far. 
it is absolutely a, a fascinating area and it's also interesting in terms of the way it's developed, not just the direct subject matter, but the way in which it's handled in various ways across the world as well. Yes. Um, so it, it's kind of uh, great that you're able to capture that and, and certainly the kind of diversity of perspectives on this theme of today that you'd get in various parts of Sudan and South Sudan, as well as, you know, Kenya, Uganda, Ethiopia, let alone Shandong or Zhejiang or uh, other provinces in China would just be quite incredible. Uh, such a, a rich tapestry. And I guess we're all trying to grope around in the dark and shine a light on a little part of it. Uh, so putting it together, like you guys are doing, I think is uh, eminently laudable. Oh, th thank you. No, we're, um, we, 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 we haven't got quite as many um, um, voices on the ground as we would have liked, but, but we, we got next week's podcast that Dr. Kalu, I think, is getting some people on and, and I do agree there is just a real rich tapestry of, of voices who, who are of, of just of knowledge that, that really should be shared about this, this issue and, um, and, it, and it is a really difficult issue and, and, and a really quite an unfortunate thing that eh, yeah it's, it's tough and I imagine with you because you have spent so much time on the ground it must be, it must be also particularly tough for for you to, to keep reading about it because I'm sure you have a lot of friends who are directly experiencing um, what's going on in South Sudan. Right. Yes, exactly. It's, it's very close to the bone and, uh, you know, I, I speak from the complete safety of a comfortable European city. Um, but uh, it, it's really gone really far, really fast and everyone I think is still, uh, you know, shocked and uh, yes, uh, huge, huge concern. Um, so it's it's really been uh, yeah quite quite uh, epic in in very much the the wrong ways, but uh, still things go on. So uh, we can only uh, continue to be involved. I actually um, started before the CPA myself in terms of visiting there. Oh my gosh! Wow. So um, I've seen this kind of pre you know before the piece, after the piece, and now. The, the new wars, uh, it's an unfortunate uh, repetition. But uh, anyway, um, the, the, the China side of the story is, of course, an interesting one. And uh, it's been in the news, I think, sometimes for the wrong reasons recently with some of the Asian coverage, um, including South China Morning Press. They seem to sort of get a rather odd take, I think, on actual realities in South Sudan and Sudan. Maybe that's not surprising if they don't have people there. Um, but it's interesting how um, you remember back to Darfur uh, and then the independence and now South Sudan, there's always been a kind of strong media interest, um, which plays in different ways in the States, particularly, I think, in terms of connections to advocacy groups and policy and, and government policy as well. Um, so this is just the latest phase of a, well, there you go, a longer history. <laughs> uh, no, that's, uh, yes, you're, 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 you're completely, completely right. Um, and, uh, well, well, I'm I'm so happy that that you are going to be able to share your insights and um, and yeah, I, I, I would like to uh, apologize to you for the the glibness of my tone um, in the initial email. I generally um, yeah, I generally don't do a good job policing, and I and I try to make this um, podcast something lighter, um, but but it is a very dark subject, and and and, and I apologize for for not treating it with the sensitivity I should have. 
Oh, that, that's no problem. I, th I think I was just sort of uh, firing off a hasty reaction, so um, there, there was no issue there at all. Um, I think it was just um, a, a, a sort of, you know, you know I've, I've just been in Nairobi uh, work, working on this, so it's, it, you know, it's still quite uh, um, close to the bone and emotional in many ways. But the, I think the, the, the more serious point was just the, um, like the, the PhD is just really boring and uh, it's, it's kind of related, but um, I'm not sure you want to go there simply for your own self-interest in the sense that you'd get completely bored to death and you'd regret it massively. Uh, it's like opening Pandora's box, I'm afraid. Um, so uh, that was really a kind of paternalistic, self-interested uh, reaction in, in terms of that. But the, the more serious point on that is, I guess, that the way China is treated is often in isolation from other actors and certainly with the PhD and other work, I've tried to sort of put them all together, but emphasize the primacy of Sudanese politics and African politics more generally in shaping, determining and influencing most these external processes. You know, China is the same as other actors in that respect, um, but is often uh, spotlighted as being somehow different or unique. I think that's a wonderful point to bring up. If you don't want to really go into it as in terms of a PhD thing, that's fine. But um, but, you know, Dr. Kalu and I have noted many a time that what China does in, in a lot of African contexts is no different than other um, foreign, foreign actors. And, mm -hmm. so, and so I'm personally very ignorant about what happens in Sudan and South Sudan. If you want to say, well, these, these are the sorts of things that happen. These are the sort of ways oil companies operate. So, you know, I was reading over, I was reading over some stuff and, oh, you know, a, a Swedish company was doing something that a Chinese company was, was doing, lumping China in as a, as a normal foreign power, I think, is a, is a, is a, is a, really, a really interesting insight and something that I not only personally believe, I think should be. Sure. Yeah, I, th I think it's, um, it's a great and important topic as well. Um, and um, China, of course, tends to overshadow or upstage a lot of these uh, small actors, um, including the oil sector, but more generally as well. So um, I guess it's good news if you're sitting in a government office in New Delhi, for example. Um, but um, it doesn't always help, um, you know, under our understanding of these of these processes. Uh, I'm just letting you know, like our recording before the show and after the show, I'm going to try and take a part of it and I'm going to call it banter, and I'm going to probably put it in the beginning of the show to kind of, to kind of get an easy breezy kind of feel for, for what, what we talked about. Other podcasts have banter before the show, but because we're right. so disorganized and I never know if the tech's going to work, I don't want to get work on that. So instead, I like to record the banter and then just artificially insert it. Okay. Um, so... So I, I need to pre-plan some spontaneous banter right now. Is that right? <laughs> if you put it that way. Do you, do you rehearse rehearse banter or just sort of no, spontaneously shit? It usually <laughs> happens, and typically the great banter happens right after Winslow's um, turned off the record button, and then ah uh, yes, and then the awesome snippets of conversation fall out of everybody's mouths, and we don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> A hard lesson learned. So, I mean, how, so tell us about your like teaching position and what you're teaching and like you know what it, what it's like doing that stuff. Well, it's certainly not uh, light banter. Um, 
<laughs> but uh, yes, so it, it's um, a new school of public policy uh, here at Central European University, which is in Budapest. And it's a very exciting venture. Um, I am one of the relatively small number of current founding faculty, which means um, a very unusual privileged position of helping to, to shape and form the school. Um, and it also allows for linking my own teaching with my research interest as well, which is a, a great privilege to have also. Um, and so right now I'm teaching a, a course on uh, the South in world politics, which is more or less an introduction to the global South. Uh, I'm also teaching a course on international intervention in Sudan and South Sudan, which of course happens to be quite topical right now, but that takes a much broader canvas of different uh, historic and more contemporary aid, development, humanitarian and other interventions uh, in the country with an emphasis upon you know, Sudanese history and, and politics uh, as well. Um, so that, that's a sort of snapshot of, of my role here. Uh, we are actually uh, recruiting uh, students for the second year's intake in, in, uh, in, in a year's time. So anyone's interested, welcome to get in touch and I can provide further information. Man, I will, I will, uh, I'll put that on, on, I'll let people know about that, um, that, that you guys are looking for, for students. That, that sounds, that sounds really fun. Um, so I, I take it you've read a lot of Mahmoud Mamdani. Yes, um, exactly, amongst others, and uh, always a good source of uh, vigorous debate. Um, <laughs> and I realize I may have just gone in, become a ranter rather than engage in banter just now, but um, just ben, trying to give rant, you an overview of the, uh, of the Rant course. versus ban. it's okay, baby. <laughs> that, that would be a good component of mm -hmm. your uh, podcast, maybe, the, the ranting component. I... I Dr. Kalu, should we throw in some ranting in there? I mean, this is China, we've Africa. Had, we've had moments of ranting. I yeah. rant from time to time. Yeah, um, it, it depends on the topic. <laughs> uh, did we use, lose Dr. Large again? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm still here. Okay. Um, he's processing our confusing language. Um, well, I think I, I think I would actually, um, with, with, with no disrespect intended, claim a monopoly on confusing language. Um, <laughs> So I, I wouldn't get ahead of yourselves. <laughs> but um, do, do you have a sense of where, where this, this will go? Like the, the vision of this, uh, this is a very exciting uh, media project that you guys are doing. So where, where do you want it to go? And um, how did it all, all come about, in fact? <laughs> that, that's not, sorry, that's not banter, is it? Um, no, that's, no, that's, ban I, I that's, ban that's, that's banter. banter. <laughs> I mean, Dr. Kalu, do we have a plan? Um, no, we don't. We've been able to, we've had the freedom and the time to do this. Um, but we also don't know where the future holds or what the future holds. Mm -hmm. So that makes it really difficult with regards to long-term planning, um, for this project, because for all I know, in three months, I might be working out of Nigeria or Zambia or South Africa. I have no idea. Um, what I'm going to be doing <laughs> in about three or four months and where I'm going to be doing it from. When so did I just break your heart with all of that information? <laughs> no, not 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 at all. I mean, uh, keep in mind, I tried to get a third co-host, um, you know, Hongshang, and I tried to get him on, and like it just been it's been tough. So I I'm you know part of this whole podcast is like rolling with the punches, where basically, yeah, we want to get some cool, interesting people to talk about stuff and just share it. And there's a lot of cool China Africa stuff going on, and not just you know by 
you know, academics, but, you know, people who, who, who are on the ground. So, you know, we got this dude, um, Kumbu Kalani Firi, who's really freaking cool, uh, Zambian cat who, who got his degree in, in China and then working in Zambia. And now he's getting, uh, I think, a, um, maybe an MBA um, at Leeds. And I just want to, like, I, I want to get all these voices heard. So, you know, Dr. Kalu, you had a friend, um, Marianne, who, you know, an African woman in China, which is what the name of the podcast was. <laughs> And we want to get all these cool experiences. You know, what it'll turn into is just basically a chance for people to tell stories about the China-Africa relationship that aren't, you know, isn't always heard. Or maybe they're heard to, you know, the 20 people who read your article. Not your article, because people read mm -hmm. your article, but, you know, like... Well, that'll be 10 people, actually, <laughs> so you're right, yeah. Um, but no, I, I get the point. Um, so this is kind of just uh, another kind of thing. And, and what it'll turn into, we, we have no idea. But we just want people to talk about cool stuff. Yeah, which um, together with uh, both of you as, as uh, co-hosts uh, makes for a cool project as well. Um, and it, it sounds like it's taking on a life of its own because of this uh, tremendous energy uh, that's propelling it uh, from, from both of you guys. Um, so it might be an open-ended future, but uh, so far so very good uh, by the look of things. Thank you. Thank that, you. That, that, that means a, a, a lot coming from you. Um, you, you, know, you. You made the rounds on the media circuits and, and, and a lot of people ask you for stuff, so that, that's, that's mighty decent of you to say. Well, not, not at all. I think um, it's obvious that there's a good comparative advantage that you can pursue in this area, including broadening the range and nature of the voices that you can include in, the, in this conversation that wouldn't normally be included. Obviously, there are inherent limitations of mainstream media soundbite coverage um, and often the sort of combination of superficial and sensational reporting that you get from actually most sides, if you will, of, of this particular theme. Um, so going beyond that actually is, is uh, not just worthwhile, but it's also much more interesting than uh, the conventional way of tackling these issues and adding it in the form of a you know a podcast of, of uh, listening is is, is uh, extra beneficial as well you know escaping the tyranny of the text and uh, <laughs> potentially broadening the the scope of the conversation at the same time as diversifying uh, and deepening it uh, as well so these are all uh, really uh, laudable objectives um, and I think it speaks to the fascinating way in which uh, you're part of the the bigger developments that you're ostensibly uh, engaging with, um, talking about, and, and trying to deepen your understanding of. So the very fact that you're engaged in this uh, exciting project right now has its own story to tell within the, you know, the larger stories of this uh, this bigger phenomenon as well. And I think that that's important. And uh, one of the things that you're obviously doing at the same time is kind of indirectly uh, stock taking and recording these things as they develop, which means, in other words, when so you're uh, a historian that's documenting future archival sources for future historians as well. So hitting a lot of bases there in, in very good positive ways. Oh, thank you. I mean, I dream of the day somebody uses the, one of these podcasts for, you know, like a research paper. That would be super duper cool. Completely. Oh, actually, um, you know, yeah, uh, absolutely. one of our buddies, uh, hey, Dr. Kalu, you remember Francis Pontemayor? She got yeah. her, 
So I'm helping her out with a resume. She put her, her her guesting on this podcast on her resume. That is very flattering. That was so cool. Um, but um, but yeah, hey, but um, Dr. Large, we gotta have you on again. And also, so if you know anybody who who wouldn't mind talking to us. Um, and, and we have gotten creative ways of doing podcasts, especially through um, WeChat or um, recording sound files and emailing them to each other over uh, Gmail or the Google Drive. So uh-huh. if you if you know anybody who who might want to talk to us, but they, you know they don't have Skype or the internet connection is kind of fishy, like there's ways that we can put something together. And, and I'd love to hear what people have to say who might not always get a chance. You know? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I entirely agree. Um, so I'll definitely, um, you know, keep an eye out. And it's good to know there are these extra uh, capabilities. I mean, we we struggle a lot with uh, local dissemination of of this archive and you know all the sources that that has because of obvious uh, technology constraints. So you know we try with external hard drives and other things like that. There are ways around it, but it's great that there are these other uh, shortcuts as well. Um, and um, <laughs> Um, this this is called the ramble, not not the the rant or even the banter. <laughs> no, I, I um, no, you, you guys are obviously that's... technically trained uh, with all of these uh, repertoires. I'm uh, just an amateur here, but you do you do when realize you're in a hole, stop digging. that we just started this in like August, and and as Dr. Ekalu can attest to, I barely know what I'm doing when I record, so we're, we're we, definitely well. Like, we just recently got to the part where I've stopped saying Winslow. Make sure you delete that. <laughs> I was often known to say things that would probably get me in trouble with entire governments. <laughs> oh man, I mean, I mean, I've already I like. We, yeah, we said so, we said some stuff that I'm pretty. I mean, so at minimum we're gonna get banned in China, but I try not <laughs> to piss off too many other governments. But I, I'm pretty sure we do. Uh, oh well. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm impressed. I mean, I'm I'm just surprised you haven't uh, capitalized on this yet in terms of advertising the fact that you're banned in various countries. This is usually a great asset, right? <laughs> I, we don't uh, want to be banned anywhere. Oh, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> but it opens up commercial possibilities uh, in case that career track uh, doesn't work out as intended. Maybe. Man, there was a great podcast on um, on uh, Chinese cinema, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you know, China for a lot of Chinese cinema, the selling point is banned in China. That that's what gets used to international film festivals." Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> international podcast festivals, like, is that a thing? No, but we should make well, it a thing, <laughs> and, and we should get paid. But no, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go so you can enjoy uh, um, uh, a delicious dinner. How is the food up there, by the way? I I only went to Hungary once, and I found the coffee to be superb, and and I had very good croissants. Um, but I don't know if that's like actual Hungarian fare or not. Well, you you know China, don't you? So um, here it. Uh, there's, there's some really good, funky, creative fusion young cuisine, I'd say. Some excellent restaurants, but generally it's, it's very good, yes, and things like coffee. It's also quite interesting from a purely uh, comparative perspective in terms of the, the Chinese role here. Uh, recently, an agreement was signed with the Chinese uh, to build a railway from Budapest to Belgrade, for example. And the government here is obviously keen on cultivating relations with China, and, and you, you kind of meet the people 
uh, from what well, in my case the, the the parts of China that I lived in as well. So it adds up to this kind of global picture of of China um, and you know interesting in indirect ways. But the Chinese food here is interesting because it's not actually as good as what I'm used to most, which is you know the mainland or, or places like London. So it shows I think how food businesses adapt to local conditions. In this case, it tends to be sort of canteen based or uh, not so much fresh Chinese as you know pre-prepared. Um, so it sort of adds to this uh, diverse picture of, um, you know, a very, uh, yeah, diverse global Chinese story in terms of migration business and, you know, people on the ground, as well as this sort of other more political side to the story as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of scared these people from Jiajiang uh, and Shandong and other things, which is great for me because it allows me to continue uh, you know, research interest in very different contexts. Phenomenal. That's 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 phenomenal stuff. Have you ever eaten I don't, suja? Suja. That's that's what it's called, right, Doctor Kalu? Suja, yeah. like the northern Nigerian street meat. Yes. Yes, that's suja. Uh, have you ever have you ever tried any stuff like that? And do they do? I mean, does Hungary have any um, African immigrants? I, I, I imagine well, I they I, do. At least Nigerians. We go everywhere. Nigerians go everywhere. <laughs> to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's really true. In fact, I've already met uh, some Nigerians here already, so that bodes well, uh, for me at least. <laughs> uh, and I'm hoping there's a, a good Nigerian restaurant at, at the end of, uh, of what they do as well. So, fingers crossed. <laughs> I wish you luck. Thanks. I might need that. <laughs> Wonderful. Have a great evening. Great. Okay. <laughs> you Bye. too. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye-bye. All right, Winslow. Go back to bed. Yeah, go, go back to bed. Oh, we kicked... Guys.